just what an awful fucking trade. Sorry, I was listening to rap music instead. What were you saying? <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of National Pastime. John and Toaster here. And week three, the final week of the preseason, is officially a wrap. Although as we're recording this, there's a couple games still ongoing. Apologies, but most of the big stuff's over. So uh, getting right into some of the news for this episode, we'll be talking about the big, I guess, big quote unquote trade of Gardner Minshew um, from the Jags to the Eagles. Uh, we'll talk about J.K. Dobbins' injury, um, torn his ACL out for the year. Should he have been playing? Should some of these other starters that have gotten hurt been playing? We'll get into that. And then we will update on the Deshaun Watson situation as well. There's some rumors about him potentially being moved. So uh, I guess jumping right in to Minshew here, Toaster. Um, essentially, the the Jags name Trevor Lawrence, the starter. Trevor uh, on Tuesday. Uh, on Tuesday. Gardner Minshew, uh, who hasn't taken a shit. Although I hope he has now that uh, he was named the backup. Um, apparently came to an agreement with uh, the Jags. He wanted to get out after losing the comp. So they trade him to the Eagles for a conditional sixth round pick that can become a fifth if he plays 50 or more snaps in three games for the Eagles. What are your first or more snaps? Yeah, yes, um, 50% or more snaps. This is a terrible look all around. Um, Urban looks like a maniacal coach at this point, just putting forward a sham of a QB competition for four months, taking valuable reps away from Trevor Lawrence yeah. so that he could get a six round pick in return. The entire thing was not a competition between him and Lawrence. It was trying to build up Minshew's trade value and Minshew didn't do anything in the preseason to help them out. And so it's a bad look all around for Urban. And then what is the say for Jalen Hurts? Because Joe Flacco's sticking on the roster. He's got a guaranteed salary. Um, yeah. Hurts looked good, in my opinion, even though he's only three of seven in his first preseason game. Um, he hasn't played since. Why do you feel you need to bring in another young, kind of very similar um, in, quarterback into that QB room if you're going all in on on Hurts right now, especially with the draft capital that you're probably going to have the next year? If you don't like Hurts, then it's not that you're settling for Minshew at any point. Yeah, like, and and let's say Hertz falters and he loses the starting job, presumably to Flacco, I would think, at, if it happens early enough in the season. Does Hertz go to third on your depth chart at that point? Like, it's it's a very strange situation for the Eagles, but I think for me, the, the biggest miss is on the Jags side. I mean, you have a, we, we talked about this in the last episode when we were talking about the, the competition and Lawrence being named the starter. Within Minshew, you have a very valuable asset. You have a quarterback who won't kill you if he gets into the game, relatively young, and is making next to nothing. Next to nothing. And they only got a conditional sixth round pick for him. That is such a miss. And I'm just wondering, like, yeah, again, you you called it out, but they took valuable, valuable reps away from Trevor Lawrence in order to make this a competition. And all you're getting in return is a sixth. I mean, unless Minshew just absolutely wanted out and was like, fuck this, I'm not going to play for you. Then I, I just don't and, understand this. Move. And then what you say, okay, sweet. Don't show up. I, that yeah. you're our 
not even a roster consideration at this point. So I, he was in no position to make that kind of demand. And there, you could have gotten, you could have got the same trade compensation probably around draft time next year for anybody that was looking for somebody that had, you know, a veteran QB that they were ready to potentially move on from. Um, and they aren't in a position to draft a first overall talent. Then you flip them for a six at that point. I, I just don't understand the timing um it, a lot of this does not make football sense but i think that that's what we're coming to expect from urban meyer uh yeah sort of along those notes i was prepping all my stuff for today and i uh, was watching the jags game earlier why was james robinson playing in that game I, you just lost travis etn james robinson is your guy in the backfield why like every decision that urban makes at this point, it's just mind blowing. I I just don't understand. I, well, I'm really interested to see how long this plays out. It, is there a chance Urban doesn't make it through the year? Oh, uh, we haven't had our bold predictions podcast yet, but um, I would not say that Urban's going to be the first coach fired, but he may be the first coach to not make it through the whole season. Um, he's already had health issues in the past when the going got rough, and I think that him not being used to losing and now being in Jacksonville is going to be a very tough marriage for him, especially these first four or five weeks um, and actually penciling in a win of the Texans over the Jags week one. Yeah. He better hope Trevor Lawrence makes him look real fucking good because and otherwise Lawrence did look good today um, in his, in his first uh, substantial time. Um, with the first with the first team offense, he he looked good. Looks like they're trying to scheme him a little bit better than they have in the past and or the past two games. And you know there there is some hope in Jacksonville, but uh, it's in spite of Urban Meyer almost at this point, rather than because of. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Trevor looked awesome, but he led three drives, I believe, two of them scoring yep. drives. Uh. When he came out for that third drive, I'm like, again, what the fuck are you doing? He looked great for those two drives. I don't know what else you needed to see from him. He did make like a very nice throw on his second touchdown. But what else did you need to see from him that was worth risking injury both to him and, like I said, to James Robinson? I mean, just... You uh, and I differ a little right. bit on that because... I. I you have the same injury risk pretty much every game, every time they're out there. And at some point they do need the reps. They do need the, the live vision. In my opinion, that's obviously not one that other coaches share, but you know, Andy Reid's got Patrick Mahomes out there for three seasons, three series. Uh, Josh Allen was out there for multiple series. Um, it's, that's kind of a, you got to know your, you got to know your team and what they ultimately mm -hmm. need. And right now I think that, reps are not a bad thing for Lawrence, even at the risk of injury. I would agree to your point about Mahomes and Allen, though, those are two guys that know how to protect themselves much better and have supporting casts that will do that to some degree as well for them. Um, Trevor's not playing with a stack deck and, you know, they were even sitting some of their skill position players as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's not the worst thing in the world, but, you know he's your guy. You know you have two weeks of practice coming up here. You only just I learned just... he's your guy. I mean, it was <laughs> up in the air up until oh, Tuesday. Yeah. Yep, exactly. 
All right. Well, let's move on from the Jags. Um, the, the next big piece of news here was that the Ravens starting tailback, J.K. Dobbins, tore his ACL yesterday in the game against the Washington football team. And it really, I don't know, to me, it begs the question of why are, I understand to your point about the quarterbacks, right? Like those reps are certainly valuable. I don't know what you're gaining by playing J.K. Dobbins in a preseason game like this. He's going, he was presumably going to be your lead back. I know they kind of have a committee thing going on, but I don't know if Dobbins needed these reps necessarily. And I just feel like, again, the risk does not outweigh. So so this is a position where I would be more in line um, with that um, line of that viewpoint because they take a beating day in, day out for the entire season. Um, and running back's one of the easiest ones to pick up the flow of the game. If you think about transitioning from the college game to the NFL game, it's usually a learning curve for the receivers, obviously for the quarterbacks, definitely for the tight ends as well, since they've got usually more blocking assignments, but a running back, all they've got to do is, you know, pick up pass protection and hit the holes that are already designed for them. So those, when you take something like a JK Dobbins, who's been in the league a couple of years already. And does that actually get his juices flowing anymore? I, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I to your point, like, I, why? Uh, the running backs get into games. Like, you can sign a guy off the street and pretty much get him into your offense instantly and not miss much of a beat. I just, but, yeah. But at that point, then he's replaceable. So why is J.K. Dobbins any different than any guy you're going to sign off the street? Well, I, I think Dobbins is a little higher end than like whoever, whatever free agent running backs are floating around right now. Yes, running backs are replaceable, but it, I just don't think that you should be playing your starters, especially at that position um, at this point in the preseason. Like, was he not getting reps earlier in the games? You know, in their first two games, was he not playing in? Um, you know, any joint practices they may have had, like, I don't understand, you know, this third game at this point, you're two weeks out from the start of the season. It just didn't really make sense to me. And I, I feel awful for, for Dobbins, Um, you know, just going down the injury list here too. the, the Colts had two more guys go down. Um, They're starting left tackle towards ACL um, and T Y Hilton is out indefinitely. Um, with what is, what's his injury? It's a disc injury. It's a, it's a neck back injury. They haven't been clear at what level on the spine it is, but it's a, a disc issue and they're hoping that it's not season ending. Um, as, uh, ambitious as that sounds, we know that, uh, herniated discs, uh, bulging discs, all that stuff can have lingering, lingering effects. And, uh, those are not yeah. easy surgeries either. So, um, I don't want to move on to, uh, from the Ravens at this point, because there is actually one thing I wanted to bring up on the Huntley situation. Um, we have Lamar Jackson and contract talks right now. How beneficial would it be if you can actually get behind a third, fourth, fifth, sixth round draft pick and say, we're going to move on from our MVP caliber quarterback and get a trade haul like we're looking for Deshaun Watson right now 
because we drafted well. We basically are robbing the poor um, because Huntley was they, a UDFA. Can't, they can't draft well. So you get three first round picks for Lamar Jackson and you have Huntley that you say, okay, this is our, we don't have to pay 40 million. Again, I was joking mm-hmm. about the running back contract, but not having to pay Lamar Jackson 40 million a year when you've got Huntley on less than 1 million for the next four years, potentially. That's the strategy and most likely the thing that I would like to see out of the NFL that no one will ever do because you're not going to move on from Lamar Jackson. But um, he showed some hope that it might be possible. Huntley looked real fucking good. So uh, in his last preseason game here, he was 24 of 33 for 285 passing yards and four touchdowns. He also had 14 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. He looked really good running that offense. Um, Dare I say Lamar-esque. He's obviously not as electric as a runner as Lamar is, but I've loved Tyler Huntley since he was at Utah. I was very shocked that he went undrafted. I thought he would at least be fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, something like that. And yeah, the Ravens just like, this is what they do. They are great at finding value uh, late in the draft. And I I don't totally hate that take. I mean, he looks is, good. Is Huntley and three first round picks of more value than Lamar Jackson in a $40 million contract? And I think that that's something that if you can hit on... Well, I mean, in this case, an undrafted free agent, but again, even taking a Russell Wilson in the third, um, yeah. a Dak in the fourth, if you can hit on that strategy, instead of trading the Jimmy G or the Jacoby Brissett or the Ryan Mallett, you're trading the Tom Brady and saying, we can win with the guy that we drafted. Here you go. Give us your yeah. haul in return. What, what do you think a realistic trade package for Lamar would look like? Because obviously he's he's on his fifth year option. Is that right? No, um, he has not started his fifth year option yet. No. Okay. So I guess it just really, a lot of the compensation. Yeah. He's in his fourth year right now. Yeah. So a lot of the comp would depend on what, um, what the contract ultimately looks like, but, but how does that work with, um, with tags too? Do you, do you know if you trade a guy, like, do you have the ability to tag him if you're the inquiring team? Yeah, and that's what I would ultimately assume is, uh, I mean, if this scenario were to play out, that would be the ideal thing is that they franchise tag Lamar Jackson and um, basically a tag and trade, right? So he's got four years of experience. He is playing on his fifth year option. I apologize right now. Um, and uh, so after this year, he would be el- he would be t- potentially a free agent. Um, mm-hmm. But you tag him and you say, give us your haul. And just like, Aaron Rodgers, right? Nobody's ever been concerned about, okay, if we trade for Aaron Rodgers, are we going to be able to sign him to a long-term contract extension? That's that's going to get get done. Right, for sure. Ooh, that would be interesting. I, I like Tyler Huntley a lot. I think, it, like you said, it would be tough to move on from the MVP from just a couple of years ago. But um, there seems to be some discussion as to whether or not the league has figured out Lamar um, that question's been floating around this week as well. I don't necessarily believe that. I think, um, you know, Lamar is still very, very special. But like you said, if Tyler Huntley can run that offense efficiently and do a lot of those same things and you don't have to change a lot and you get three first round picks out of it, I would definitely be considering it if I was the Ravens. Yep. And going back on it, apologies little sick right now brain fog it is going into his fourth year so he's still technically under contract for two more years 
Okay. All right. You don't have COVID, do you? I don't think so. Okay. Well, catch me through the phone. Now, now, now I don't. Uh, I don't hate the fact that we don't record in person. So. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, no, that's that's a great call out. Um, anything else before we move on here? Um, I mean, no, that's just a typical overreaction, right? Matt Flynn was the next uh, right. Aaron Rodgers at one point. <laughs> I know. So. I know. I love it, though. I love it. Um, all right. The the last big piece of news that has come down in the last couple of days here, um, there's been some reports and, you know, by some verified people on Twitter, some, you know, definitely not no names, um, reporting that the Deshaun Watson situation um uh, that the Dolphins are in the mix here and the Texans are looking for three ones and two twos, which we can maybe debate whether or not they would actually get that to begin with, but that the Dolphins are actually like really in this right now. Um, how believe like how much stock should we put into this? Do you think? I think there's definitely stock and um, it puts a little bit more context into sitting to a this week in the third preseason game, actually, because um, usually this is going to be the tune up for the, mm-hmm. the regular season. Um, so sitting him here was a little precarious before these reports came out. I didn't understand mm-hmm. it now makes a little bit more sense. I just don't see how you can move them right now without the, you know, conditional picks that they're they're asking for in return for the Dolphins. Right. Basically, when we say conditional, it's conditional on the outcome of the investigations from the FBI, the Houston Police Department, the civil cases like it's it's an ongoing list. It's a scroll. Um, And I don't know how you can value that appropriately because um, the Texans obviously want to move on. Deshaun wants to move on, but you can't give him conditional third round picks two years from now if something bad, if he ultimately is not able to play, right? Because there's yeah. no reason for the Texans to move on from him now. Anyways, he's under contract for another five years. Um, it, it It's a difficult situation to gauge in that, re- in that regard. You either have to be all in, say, here you go, you get the proper trade compensation, or a deal doesn't get done. Yeah. Uh, so to the point about the conditional picks, um, Charles Robinson, who's the senior NFL reporter for Yahoo, had said that um, te- sources say teams have angled for pick protect- protections in any trade to mitigate a potential NFL suspension or criminal prosecution tied to ongoing investigations by the FBI, the Harris County prosecutor and Houston Police Department. So, it, yeah, I mean. I don't even know what that looks like. It's like, okay, it's a first, but if he's suspended for a year, it becomes a third. Like, is that kind of what we're looking at with that that's, language? That's what we're looking at. And that's why it doesn't make sense to me for the Texans, because his value is not going to go down. Obviously at this point, people still want to trade right. for him and you can't trade future picks past three years. So that would be the only way to me that a conditional would work is say, okay, if he's, if he's suspended for a year one, our first round pick doesn't happen until 2023, then 24, then 25, right? Then it works, mm-hmm. but you can't trade a 2025 first round draft pick right now. So right. Th- when they were talking about the conditional compensation, that's the only way I could really see it working is basically just, all right, stop the clock. He's not on our active roster right now. Therefore, we're not going to give you compensation for that year in return. That that makes perfect sense, but it can't be done under the NFL's rules. Um, and we already saw that the NFL's 
pretty good stickler for the rules uh, after the Patriots trade um, got nixed. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, it makes more sense for the Texans to hang on to him at that point, right? And say, if we're not going to get first-round compensation for him next year, then right. we'll trade him a year from now, and then we do get that third 2025 pick in return. Yeah, but in the meantime, what they're doing with him is very, very strange. So he's effectively the fourth quarterback on that roster. He's obviously going to make the team. So what do you do? I mean, does he all of a sudden have a phantom injury once cutdowns happen and you stash him on IR for the year? Like, I think that's going to get a little too much scrutiny from the league on that one. So I think what they're doing right now is saying, we're going to pay $10 million, give up a roster spot in return for compensation at an appropriate level in the future. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the Osweiler trade, right? When they, the Browns just took on his contract for second round draft pick. pick. Exactly. So I think that that's the ultimate strategy. It's a bad look all around for the league. If they'd put him on the commissioner's exempt list way back when um, it would have been fine. But I think, I really do believe that the Texans might not have wanted that because they could potentially trade him and they wouldn't be able to trade him on the commissioner's exempt list. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very weird situation uh, yeah. for sure. Uh, and just the, the dolphins need to jump in now. That's the problem because the Eagles have far more ammunition if they're actually in it. Um, and yeah. I think Tepper is going to go real strong um, in the paint if he has an opportunity to do this. Um, the Dolphins win those right now. So yeah, I, I, I can see a deal getting done, but the compensation's going to have to be what the Texans ultimately want, in my opinion, outside of probably the two uh, additional seconds. I think that might be a little rich right now, but three first is three first is a going rate for a, what, 25-year-old? passing leader from last year mvp caliber player yeah it's wild yeah so the the report was that the panthers broncos and eagles were also in obviously we've talked about the broncos and their situation uh potentially looking to get aaron Rodgers. although um you know they were in on watson i think prior to all this stuff going down earlier in the year anyway so yeah uh something worth watching um there's there's some guy here on Twitter. Let me let me find him real quick. Um, that is basically like saying that it's a done deal. Um, have you seen this guy? Let's see. I, I don't even want to boost this guy's account. Um, <laughs> but he is followed by some like people from PFF. And, you know, so maybe he's legit. He's uh, looks like he's a podcast host. Um but he says, per my sources, an agreement between the Texans and Dolphins has been reached. Deal to be finalized in the coming days. Deshaun Watson will be a Miami Dolphin. Um, I don't really know how much stock to put into it. But uh, like I said, he does have some legit people following him. So I guess we'll wait and see what happens here. We'll the obviously... Crazy- the craziest part to me is that they don't want Tua in return, and that's the best case scenario for the Dolphins. Um, I think that they don't want Tua in return because they want a draft pick instead of Tua, right? And they're saying we don't mm-hmm. need another quarterback. We just spent basically what is a Houston Texans first rounder, which is a third round pick on 
on Davis Mills. Um, Davis Mills. Um, but they've got Tyrod Taylor. They've got their stopgap quarterback already. They don't necessarily believe in Tua as the future, but that means that Watson and Tua are both available to them. Should Watson no longer be available, then you've got the guy that you thought was going to be your your franchise caliber quarterback. And then once Watson's situation clears up, then you can flip Tua for hopefully franchise caliber compensation. Yeah. God, the the Deshaun Watson domino is like it. It's felt like it's hung up so much of the offseason, hasn't it? Like all these teams were trying to be in on it and, you know, leading up to the draft. And then this, you know, the bomb gets dropped that he has all these allegations and it gets worse and worse and worse. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah, all of these teams that were potentially in on him, potentially in on Rodgers. They're all still sort of hanging around and they're probably going to be looking for a quarterback next offseason. So, um, yeah, we will stay on this, obviously, and uh, we will dissect it any way we can as soon as something comes down, <laughs> maybe within the coming days, according to this guy. I guess the, the last piece of the show that we want to get into is just a, a wrap up, really, of the preseason. We will um, there's a few games going on, like I said, still, but. Um, the games for the most part are done and teams will have to cut down their rosters to 53 by Tuesday and we'll have two weeks until the regular season starts. So what has really stood out to you the most after, you know, these preseason games, these week three games have sort of finished up. Is there anything that like really comes out to you? Well, before we get into that, I just want to say I am pumped about the extra week between the preseason and the start of the regular season, not because I don't want football, but because that makes it a hell of a lot more exciting on yeah. the 53-man cutdowns. Um, I feel like there's going to be a lot more trades because now it's not. It used to be Thursday was the final preseason game, and then Saturday final roster cuts had to happen. Now final preseason games have been done since Friday, Saturday, today, Sunday. And then they still get that additional two days to work through some stuff um, on a Tuesday. Um, so someone like the J.K. Dobbins going down, maybe they don't lean on Le'Veon Bell. Maybe they actually trade for Mark Ingram back from the Texans, right? So I think that there's going to be a lot more fun in these two weeks because the people feel like there's value in trade versus hitting up free agents, considering they now have two weeks to integrate them rather than, okay, Week one's already a lost cause because you're going to basically be showing up on a Tuesday for a Sunday game. Um, right. So I'll start with that. Um, as far as my biggest takeaway, um, I would say <laughs> um, if recency bias aside, Josh Allen looked fucking amazing in his whatever three, four series that he had. And the AFC needs to be put on notice based on his ball placement um, in, in those couple drives. It was outstanding. Yeah, he was uh, 20 of 26, 194 yards, two touchdowns. That first touchdown to Gabriel Davis was a fucking bullet down the middle of the field. Like very few quarterbacks in the league make that throw. He looks like he is fucking ready to go. I mean... I know we've talked previously about whether or not he's closer to the guy that he was in his first couple years or last year. I expect some level of regression from him or expected some level of regression from him. And maybe this is just a preseason, you know, showing and we're reading too much into it, but holy shit, did he look good? I yeah. agree. 
and contrarily, the Packers are fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Bills shut out the Packers. Uh, Jordan Love got the start. He, oh man. He had six straight jump passes in a row leading to his first end zone interception. And then the next drive, he did the same fucking thing and had another incompletion on a jump pass. He's doing, he's like a shortstop out there trying to make the flashy throw to first base, set your feet and throw the fucking ball. Like he wasn't that terrible overall, but when he didn't set his feet, he was God awful. And then he almost threw a second interception in the red zone. Um, Like it's going to be tough short of the draft hall, obviously that they're going to get for Aaron Rodgers next year. But Jordan Love does not look like the answer if he's going to be basically freelancing like he is. No, I mean, what we saw from him at Utah State is kind of what we're seeing from him here. And, you know, it's funny that in any industry, really, the greatest predictor of future performance is past performance, right? Jordan Love showed at Utah state that he is going to make some splashy throws. He's got a really good arm. He's a good athlete, but he is going to put the ball in harm's way a lot. And he, he frankly hasn't had the reps. I don't think to work that out of his system to this point. And it's going to be bad. Like you said, when, when he's finally starting for them, because the Packers have had however many years now of Aaron Rodgers, who's maybe the best ever at taking care of the football. And Jordan Love is going to be the exact opposite of that. I mean, that interception, he's running backwards, being taken to the ground, chucks it up into the end zone with two people covering his guy. I mean, that was as bad as it gets. Well, that's I got to do a quick shout out there for the local broadcasters. I never want to shit on anybody in this industry, but watching these preseason games, they're typically local broadcasts rather than national broadcasts that you're hearing. And uh, that was compared to a Russell Wilson-like throw. And I was like, you mean because Russell Wilson drops it in the bucket? So basically the fact that he threw a high arcing pass was what caused it to be a Russell Wilson throw, despite the fact that it was into double coverage and underthrown and an interception. Everything, you know, like a perfect analogy other than every outcome of the actual pass. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they're, uh, they're on the cheese up there. It's uh it's a little different, but yeah, I mean, I've seen people on Twitter, even uh, some Packers bloggers and things trying to poke fun at bears fans saying that Jordan love did better against the bills than Andy Dalton did or something like that. And it's like, I don't think that's the, the burn or the comparison really that, you know, you want to be making there, but yeah, uh, not a good look for Jordan love in his, uh, last reps of the preseason and And probably his last reps until the Packers make a decision. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, we already touched on Huntley. We've already touched on Trevor Lawrence. Um, some of the other games that were starting really as we were recording here, but uh, Joe Burrow got his first action and he Did played he? one. Well, eh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> that's that's a he great ran question. out on the he, field with a flag, I think. Right. That was basically what he did. Yeah, he uh, played one drive, three snaps. He was 0 for one. It was a dropped screen pass by uh, Jamar Chase. Um, 
I know this up with, I mean, talk oh about takeaways from the preseason. I know he hasn't played in a year, but his hands were the reason that I was okay. Don't I, I straight up said, don't pick Sewell over chase because yeah. chase chase will be able to bail you out much easier than Sewell will. And yeah. he's been bailing out of his catches right now. Yeah. I mean, this and... was, a, we're talking a screen pass here. This was not a slant. This was not a, you know, long post. This was at the line of scrimmage, the most simple play you can have what you would be mm-hmm. doing catch in your backyard and he just straight dropped it. Yeah. It's got to be in his head at this point. Right. And I don't know what it's going to take for that to go away. Um, maybe he just needs, they need those game reps and he needs to catch a couple easy ones and get going. But yeah, it it's, you can't get easier than that. But no, back, to, really can't. Back, back to Burrow. Um, I don't see the point. And putting him out there. We talked about the injury risks and, you know, maybe the Ravens were wanting to secure that 20 preseason win. And that's why they uh, played Dobbins, but putting him out there for three plays does nothing. In my opinion, it doesn't get him game reps. It doesn't get him. His juices flowing. If it, it's yeah. just an injury risk for no reason whatsoever. Um, I mean, minimal because it was what two handoffs and uh, a screen pass. So he wasn't likely to get hit, but yeah. there's no reason to even have him suit up at that point. If you're going to baby him like that, like that, in my opinion, that's almost contrary to getting him more confidence. Yeah. I mean, you never know the mental side of it and you, you don't know if he, he just wanted, he needed that for himself and felt comfortable enough after that first drive and was like, all right, like, you know, I feel good. I'm not worried about it to that point though. Yeah. I would have thought they would at least had him do one drop back and just get his feet under him, feel the pocket. And, um, so that was really strange, but, um, hopefully he just reached, you know, he just needed to get into a game for himself and he got that and he feels good and he's moving on. But, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of weird that that was the situation they're going to put him in two handoffs and a screen pass. Although maybe if Jamar chase catches the screen, there's, you know, more opportunity who knows, but potentially, um, and they did get, there was a penalty on the drive. So I think they ended up at like third and 18. So it wasn't something that they were going to be successful in, but right. I just don't understand not putting them out there and saying, let's get a little bit of mojo. Let's get a first down going. Like we're not out here just to, just to, throw you out here to say that we did it um, right but you know zach taylor may not be an nfl coach for much longer either so um we'll leave it at that as far as as far as takeaways um next takeaway for me fields looked like a different quarterback this week how so he looked poised he looked like they said let's focus on staying in the pocket getting our reads out throws out on time and i mean he looked great and he still gives you that element of when the pocket breaks down or you need a, you know, Josh Allen did it too on a fourth and two, right? You can roll out and it's an easy conversion that just Dalton doesn't give you. But Fields looked disciplined this week, um, much more so. And I don't mean that in, as a shot for his previous two weeks, but just that his growth curve looked exponential between last week and this week. Yeah. And again, not playing with starting receivers. He did get the Bears starting O-line, which uh, was early returns are not great there. But I think that group just 
they've had one padded practice together that starting five prior to that game. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he we've we've touched on, you know, the decision to play Andy Dalton, you know, way too much. But it's it's clear that Justin's ready and Nagy actually said as much today. He said that they feel comfortable if Justin needed to play that they were put that they could put him in and feel comfortable. What then why isn't he playing? That if you didn't feel comfortable, then he should be your third stringer and Nick Foles is the backup until Justin's ready. If he's ready, you feel confident that he can protect himself and he can run your offense. Why the fuck isn't he playing? It's, it's ridiculous. Because it'll be one against the Rams and they don't believe yeah. they can win. But we touched on that. We touched on that uh, last episode. Um, do you think the platooning of uh, Lance and Garoppolo carries into the season? I I think so. I, so anybody that um, wasn't watching the 49ers game here, their their last preseason game, Trey Lance gets the start, but Jimmy G subbed in um, on their first drive and actually right. ran. Jimmy got Jimmy got start and Lance subbed in on their first yes. drive. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. And um, Jimmy actually ran a touchdown in, which uh, was funny, I, I suppose, although it was kind of a dumb uh, play. He really put himself at risk. He like ran headfirst into a bunch of defenders at the goal yeah. line. But um, yeah, they they went with like this two quarterback system and, you know, guys were running in and off the field. And uh, I think that they will continue that. I don't know to this extent. Like they were going like every couple plays at one point. Um, but I, clearly I, Shanahan has a plan for it, right? I think it was just to put something in somebody's mind that now every single week they've got a plan for Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. And mm. they'll do it just enough to keep that intrigue going as far as defensive planning. Um, because it's everything in the NFL is about getting that slightest edge, right? And yeah. any rep you take away from preparing for Jimmy G in favor of Trey Lance is something that takes away from that defense, getting another rep practicing for what's actually going to be out there on the field. So I think that this was ingenious on Shanahan's part to deploy it in the preseason. He did it in a very safe manner. I think Lance had five straight handoffs before he even um, took his own um, rush. And that was also for a touchdown. Um, so a little bit ironic that uh, two QBs rushed for uh, touchdowns in in his system because uh, not what you would expect out of Jimmy G by any means. Um, but I really think that that was the biggest thing is it's another just chess piece that he's putting out there that says you've got to be prepared for this because it may happen week one. It may not happen for the first time until week five. Yep. The, for uh, context here, the game is in the third quarter now and Trey Lance is still playing. Um, Jimmy, I think has taken a seat and has been on the bench for a little while now. Um, well, I mean, we're, we're still presuming that Jimmy is the starter here right? yeah, for week one. Definitely. Yeah. Yep. And I think it goes down to just again, ball protection. Um, Lance had a couple of throws, um, and he just needs that touch. Um, Jimmy, it's striking to watch the differential between the two because Jimmy, throws a pass that leaves a lot to be desired from an arm strength standpoint on those outside throws. But mm -hmm. 
Lance on those inside throws is just he's basically headhunting and it's those are the ones that are going to be too dangerous right now so I think that he just needs a little bit more time to work on his mechanics his composure again he only has 318 passes in his entire collegiate career zero mm-hmm. in his NFL career um, so I think that they'll they'll get him calmed down and he's going to be a he's going to be a stud someday but uh, Jimmy is the starter for now yep for sure all right well Anything else from you here, Toaster? It's pretty much I all I've got. To, I wanted to shit on the Jets um, for <laughs> not starting um, Zach Wilson. Wilson. But, uh, and I was going to say, okay, it's because of the rain. Nope, they said they were going to sit him before that. Um, they did have Mekhi Becton go down um, on Friday. So their starting line wasn't necessarily there to protect Zach Wilson, um, which is the reason that they didn't play him. Um I think that they've gone a lot of kids gloves with him and it's going to be interesting to see his transition into full speed, full pressure against first string defenses uh, week one, especially because the Panthers actually looked pretty damn good on defense. Um, Darnold left a lot to be desired. I don't know if I'm still as high on my uh, Panthers uh, finishing second in the division as I was once, Um, but I'll give the Jets pass on this one that they're, at the very least, they're not destroying his confidence before the season starts. Yeah, but it's a dangerous game to play. And we've talked about Zach Wilson, you know, his situation at BYU and how comforting it was for him on and off the field. And what's going to happen to him when he does face adversity for the first time? He really didn't get to see it in the preseason. You know, you talked about how the the game planning and the play calling very much protected him a lot of short throws um his average depth of target was the lowest of all the first round rookies and yeah he gets into a regular season game and shit goes sideways a little bit you know is is how is he going to respond we don't know i mean the the only evidence we have of him like not really sitting pretty in the last two years is that coastal carolina game Um, and he didn't play that well. So, you know, how is, how is he going to respond when stuff goes bad? We don't know, but at least the jets didn't jet the situation up in the preseason. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, um, just wrapping up the first round quarterbacks, I think, uh, looks like cams short of a fumble and an interception in his last preseason game is going to look, going to lock up the QB one position there um and then uh bridgewater did just enough to tentatively hang on to his starting job i think that denver game um he definitely did not look as strong as he had in the past but uh lock looked much worse playing with the second stringers so probably the right call there yeah uh i was i was anxious to see how teddy was gonna play and i don't know maybe he was just a little too anxious himself wanting to prove that the decision was the right one. But yeah, he it took him a little bit to get going there. Uh, also, just uh, noting that Nate Sudfeld is now officially in, so Trey Lance's day is done. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, I wish the best for Teddy. Uh, I, I don't think all of his performances this year are going to be as rosy as his first two preseason uh, games were. And I just hope that the Broncos ride with him a little bit and don't pull the plug and go back to drew lock the second that something goes bad. Yeah. Nope. Yep. Complete agreement there. All right. 
Well, then we will wrap there. Um, we're recording this on Sunday. Uh, this will be available. You're probably going to be listening to this on Monday, but then Tuesday is when roster cuts happen. Teams need to be down to 53. So like Toaster said, there's probably going to be a lot of movement. We will stay up on that stuff and we will give you our analysis of it next week. So if you got nothing else, Toaster, maybe you should, uh, this is our go, like, last podcast medicine or something. Last podcast with uh, Watson as a Texan. Didn't think the day would come so soon. <laughs> oh man, uh, this is a historic day. Okay, I'll make note of that in the podcast uh, description or the episode <laughs> description. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Take care.